Hello, and welcome back to Art Pop and Bottles, <laughs> the podcast where whenever we want, we review an album by a non-male artist. My name is Justin Ganaway. My name is Kayla Mason Garvin. And we have a very special guest with us today, an accomplished costume designer, an even more accomplished executive producer. Erin Barnett is here. Hi, Erin. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the pod. I'm <laughs> just thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled as well um, that you're here. I will I'll, full disclosure, I called Erin um, 30-ish minutes uh, before we were set to record and said, will you be a guest? And Erin kindly said yes, accepted. So I am very happy about that. And I can't wait for you all to hear this review. But we're going to start with current events. Miss um, Taylor Swift is sweeping the nation Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Nope. Sorry. Not current. That's not, that's not what we're doing yet. (laughs) (laughs) We can start there. We can start there. No, we we must do pop star of the week. Um, Who's ready to give their pop star of the week? I can go. I can go. Um, So uh, this is in this segment, we do as a means of check-in what pop star we feel like this week. And this week I've been feeling both very stressed, very uptight, but wanting to exude the air of someone who um, is fun and like having a good time. So I feel like Lucy LaDuca let loose. (laughs) (laughs) that was so good um erin what pop star do you feel like this week well as you shared um with our listeners i was called 30 minutes 20 minutes 20 minutes before this (laughs) podcast and requested to be on as a guest um and so i am feeling unprepared and so i googled what pop stars are unprepared and what came up was an article from 2020 that said ellie golding says she was unprepared for fame and that's what i feel like today unprepared for fame (laughs) ellie golding blast blast from the past Uh, but i think she's still making music um she's making tiktoks i know that much there you go you know, uh, my job includes a lot of mentorship, and I'm feeling like a mentor, um, maybe even a mother. Uh, so I obviously feel like Megan Trainer. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's move in now to our current events and get back to Miss Taylor Swift, who is sweeping the nation with her um, Eras tour. Um, very large record-breaking tour three plus hours long um i know we've all seen probably videos on the internet and images of the looks does anybody have any hot takes regarding the airs tour i just really wish i could be there (laughs) Um, no i see this is the thing we've talked about it before but like taylor swift gives good tour and i think that like that's what i've really appreciated about the videos that have come out so far is it looks theatrical it looks expensive if tacky it looks like um 
just like a huge, like a, a person who cares about giving a good stadium tour. And there are so few of those artists like out and about. I, I just, um, a couple of the highlights that I wish I could see is that moment, um, that where she di- like quote unquote dives into this stage. And there's like a video that proves that she's diving or whatever. And then she like swims from one end of the stage to the other. Um, I also have been, you know, really, uh, paying attention to the gowns. She's done a few different gowns, beautiful gowns, um, during different legs of the tour. Um, and, uh, there's also a truly scarring, horrendous, uh, sort of Chicago slash cabaret inspired chair dance that she does. Uh, <laughs> during, uh, vigilante oh, shit. Vigilante oh, shit. Yeah. And it is, I have no words. I wish I could see it in person, but I know that I would hate her moving image. Erin <laughs> um, and Justin, what do you think? I um, I agree with the di- the diving uh, portion. Looks truly thrilling. Um, I also saw that for Bejeweled, um, her backup dancers are doing like the TikTok dance that that one creator um did and I just like kind of am intrigued about that because I'm like are they like did they let him know like what's like what's going on there um so that is a question I have um but yeah I think it seems fun and I think like we've talked about with her music videos she always gets so literal and like perhaps like on tour she doesn't have that option (laughs) and so she's more there's a metaphor. There are metaphors and I think it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor Swift learning metaphors, uh, one stadium tour at a time. Um, (laughs) I agree with what's been said so far. I do. I would like to be there. This one seems fun. And I do think that like, what's kind of groundbreaking about this is that, yeah, she really is breaking records in terms of attendance. More people went to her, the Eras tour than went to the Super Bowl. And I think that that is justice. Um, and I like, I would love to see some of these songs that she makes work in a stadium, like context, because some of them are built for it, for it. Some aren't, but I think it's just such a communal experience with people who know every lyric. I think it would be really fun to experience it. Um, in terms of looks, I do think there are some hits and some strong misses as well. Like, and especially when I see side-by-sides from like 1989 looks to era's tour looks, it, it, oh, just in terms of like, uh, just in terms of material alone, the materials look a lot more expensive in the 1989 stuff and the, like, just like the, the sequins that are being used in the materials in the era's tour just seem cheaper. And I know for a fact that she's for bejeweled or for one specific section where she's wearing a, a faux fur, a purple fur, fur faux fur coat, that she's wearing like a free people coat. Um, and I'm just like, babe, you, I, you gotta spend, you gotta spend on your looks. We know you have them. So make them look expensive, but there were some gowns and some Cavalli sets that I did like. Um, and I think she had like a, like a custom Versace bodysuit made for the 1989 section. And that one was pretty good. So it's hit or miss, but more misses than hits, I think, but I still want to go. Yeah. She's not a look queen, but she's, she's trying her best. 
she is she's trying her best and and i i she needs a she needs a really great stylist but i don't think she cares enough to like really hire us like bring you know take i don't know i don't know who could style her but let's move on and let's talk about like good styling and good artistic direction um and we've also been seeing like concert stills and videos from and videos from friends from scissors tour which looks really fun kayla what's your thoughts on that Okay, so I did watch most of a an illegal tour rip. Uh, somebody had filmed it from the audience, um, so I've seen most of the tour. And honestly, I, that's the one I really, really wish I could have been there for. It seems like she both has some of the like high theatricality, but also like a cohesive um, SOS like nautical show going on. The moments in Scissors tour that I would just absolutely pass out if I were there live. For are when she flies over the audience in her little boat. Oh my God. When she sings on the little dock, like I swear to God, it's so good. Um, oh, also when she's sitting on the diving board, like she is on the album cover. And then she too has a video where she dives into the water. Oh, oh my God. I, I think scissors dive. I would, I would rather be there for, but, um, the other thing is just like, and I, I have to give cre- credit to Taylor too for this. Like the the vocals sound impeccable. Not Taylor's lip vocals sound fine, but like for her to be singing that long with her abilities, she has really put in a lot of work. But Sis yeah. has, I think, a little more God given talent, and also is giving just like beautiful vocals. Um, and it makes me sad. I wish I could see it, but I it seems like an incredible tour. What did the two of you think? I actually had a student come and show me some vids. Um, she, uh, they went to go see it in Portland. Um, and that uh, one of the, I, I, one, I love the boat moment. I w- really wish I could see that. And a lot of artists do that little, I do something that takes me out into the audience. But that one had like a really good aesthetic through line from album cover to actual like performance. Um, but I also saw that like, I mean, every artist puts their moving image up on a screen above them so that the whole audience can see it. But SZA's got these like really nice, like sort of Microsoft uh, 2000 clouds that like come in and build onto the screen. And I think that it's nice to like that every part of your uh, tour and your part of your production has an aesthetic touch that like builds cohesion. So I think that she is just great at what she does. Erin? I have not seen that much of it, but I'm looking at the photos now and love the boat. Um, and there's like a little lighthouse too, question mark, which looks cute. And I'm thrilled to find and watch a bootleg of it shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so speaking of illegal activity, um, Gwyneth Paltrow is on to rival, um, because, um, I don't know a lot about this trial. I'll say that, but I do know that a doctor, a man who was like skiing, um, like had like skied into the back of her, but I think he blamed her and sued her, uh, for that. And so she has reluctantly gone to trial and it is televised. You can get a link for it, but like it, the, the best moments are filtering on the TikTok as we speak. Um, and Gwyneth is there looking unbothered, serving Aspen monochromatic looks black. And then she did like a cream sweater as well. Um, highlights include 
um, that asking Gwyneth how she was inconvenienced. And she said, well, I lost a half a day of skiing. Um, and then another is when, um, someone was asking her if she knew of Taylor Swift, because they believed that there's like a counter suing thing happening for a dollar. And they were like, do you know Taylor Swift? And she was like, yeah. And then they were like, are you friends? And Gwyneth was like, we're friendly. I've taken my kids to her concert. And then they were like, did you know that Taylor Swift counter sued for a dollar? And Gwyneth was like, no, I did not know that. And the lawyer was like, how did you not know that? Um, a funny little exchange. Um, other highlights include Gwyneth bringing a gallon of sparkling water to court to drink, um, which I'm replicating in honor of her. What do you guys think of this t trial? Yeah, I mean, I've only seen just like snippets of it. I haven't like truly been following it, but I was just looking at it and it, this accident happened in 2016. So they've been in this legal battle for years, which is wild. Wow. Um, one of the clips that I, one of the other like dumb little clips I saw was, um, her, the lawyer asking like about how tall Gwyneth was and, it, <laughs> and she was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, I'm this tall. And she was like, oh, I wish I was that tall or like something along the lines of that. It was wild. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> She was charming that lawyer like nobody's business. Yeah. <laughs> it was also the moment in which one of the lawyers was like, yeah, well, you're you're small but mighty. Well, you're not that small, <laughs> which I'm sure Gwyneth will carry with her for years. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I um, hope that she's getting breaks for bone broth. I will say that. It doesn't really this it doesn't really make sense to me this whole thing like it's happening 7 years after the accident it seems like Gwyneth like if we're applying rules of the road to the ski mountains like she, she was hit in the back by this person who says that Gwyneth caused her to um you know have all these injuries she also says too that when the the accident first happened she thought it was a sexual assault because he like came up against the back of her it was like they were spooning and she heard weird grunting noises so like I don't know what's going on here this whole thing seems a little fucked and like everyone's just trying to get some get some and so I don't know I it provides good memes that's all yeah, I it does provide good memes and he's a doctor so like what's the point and like it seems like you both had enough money to be on the Alps to begin with so why are we suing yeah <laughs> Um, speaking of money, Beyonce, um, I, I recently ended her collab with, um, Adidas and Ivy Park. And then, um, the day after announced her collab with, uh, Balmain, they did looks inspired by the track list of Renaissance. We saw one of those looks, the pink look with the sort of, um, metallic, neckline uh was born to the grammys but we get to, we got to see the rest of them from this collab um and i'm actually i'm very excited to talk about these so i guess in lieu of actual visuals she gave us looks uh collab with Balmain inspired by each track <laughs> um what do you guys think of these looks are they successful i don't know okay like again we i we know that beyonce so sorry is is also like she has iconic moments but she's not a look queen like right. she, she likes it best when like like i don't know she's just worn some truly hideous things sorry i love yeah. something i would literally die for you um and some of these looks again i think are 
interesting and in line with the album. And some of them, particularly the look for clo- cozy, is like derivative, not cozy. This it, okay. It looks like you know um, what's that, Doctor Seuss? Okay, Horton here's a who when they have the little um, flowers that are pink. Yeah, and that's what it looks like. It also I mean, looks like a look that um, that Steph Shoe wore in Everything Everywhere All at Once as Joe Bakke. Yeah. And I know that there's other designers who have attempted looks like this. It just, that one is the biggest question mark for me. Some of these other ones are hit and miss, but like, I, I just don't really think that this is um, as strong as the album, obviously. Uh, what do you think? I agree. I think a lot of it's derivative. Like, and, and, and Balmain seems like an interesting choice because he really had his heyday about five years ago, but I don't think that his like design aesthetic is in line with what's next in fashion. And if you've watched next in fashion, you'll get that reference. Um, but, um, yeah, there's like a chandelierish look that's like reminiscent of Katy Perry's like Moschino chandelier look. I, I, for the cozy look, I get Irene Dubois. Kylie Sony Glove from Drag Race. They both did something like that. Um, and then the like the breastplate is very Tom Ford inspired. So none of it's a new idea necessarily, but I think the the one that's strongest is the one that she wore on the cover of Vogue Italia, which was the like oversized, completely stoned gown. I thought that one looked quite good. Yeah, I also don't mind the look for energy, which is a, it's like a macrame gown with like spikes near the collar. I think that that one's fine also. And I like the, um, that one, oh gosh, uh, it's the one for Virgo's groove. That's like the gown with the, um, with the gold breastplate. I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fine. But, and then even that one is like, well, I don't know. Yeah, you, you can you can see the aesthetic references, and with a high fashion house and one of the like top albums of the of last year, or the top album of last year, in my opinion, um, the look should be iconic. Agree. Um, all right, let's get into the album that we're talking about this week. Um, in, uh, in the second installment of what we've dubbed white girl spring, we'll be talking about, um, endless summer vacation by Miley Cyrus released March 10th, 2023. Um, where were you all when this album was released and what's your current relationship with Miss Miley Cyrus? Erin? Um, when this album was released on March 10th, 2023, I was in Florida. So I was on an endless summer vacation, I guess you might say. Um, and my current relationship with Miley Cyrus, um, I don't know. I, you know, I, um, definitely grew up with her as her, her Disney channel stardom. Um, and then like took a little breaky and then <laughs> I feel like kind of back. I liked her, um, plastic hearts album. I thought it was fun. Um, and I'm excited to talk about this one. <laughs> I was in New York, uh, when this album dropped, I have, um, 
followed Miley's career for almost its entirety. I feel like I was like a little too old for Hannah Montana while it was on in that way that like you don't want to be like when you're a teen, you don't want to be into the tween shows. Like when you're 13, stuff that's made for 13 year olds is like, no, I'm an adult. Um, So I didn't, I would watch Hannah Montana like if I was like babysitting a younger kid in high school and stuff like that. Um, And then, you know, I have followed her album releases and all of that. Um, but I wouldn't call myself a stan for sure. Like I, I just, um, think that, uh, there's, she's always making a lot of choices and sometimes the choices, even when they're bad are iconic. Um, but she's always making choices. Uh, what about you, Justin? Um, I, I was of, of Hannah Montana age, um, when it was out and I was very obsessed with it. So I, uh, I am a, a, an original adopter of that. I was raised, um, in the country, unfortunately. So I did like her like country roots. Um, <clears throat> I followed her. I like, I think that I was most in love with her during bangers era. And then, um, and then like fell off a little bit during dead pets, um, a little bit in that, in that sort of three year after span, because she did get annoying on social media and it was difficult to sort of stand her decisions. Um, came back around for plastic hearts, listen to our plastic hearts episode. If you want to know our full thoughts on that, but I did think it fit her voice quite well. And that experiment was worthwhile for her. Um, so I was excited to see what she was doing this time around. And I think she, did a, a strong album ramp up when she did the New Year's special with Dolly and gave that um, that iconic mashup of um, I Will Always Love You and Wrecking Ball. I thought that was a really strong way to reintroduce herself to the public. And I think she delivered, you know, a very pop mainstream um, grabbing album. So I'm in- interested to talk about that. Um but I don't think I follow her on Instagram still because of her social media habits. So maybe I'll refollow. I'm not sure. Also, I would say aesthetically, Miley has never looked better, in my opinion. I think her we're in a great hair era and her stylist is giving us like only archival sort of 70s, 90s dresses, like mini dresses that look great on her. And so if the aesthetics are any signal, we're in a good era of Miley. Um, let's jump right in and talk about, we've already talked about this song on the pod. Um, we haven't heard Aaron talk about it. And I guess we can also talk about it in the context of the album, but let's talk flowers, the opening song and opening single. Aaron, what are your thoughts on it? (laughs) I think it's fun. I think that like, I liked that it is in reference to another song. Like, I do think it's funny that she like very specifically is like pulling from that one Bruno Mars song, um, and kind of like flipping it on its head. Um, it is like definitely the most, I think, I mean, it was the single, so it's the most like everyone will like this song. And so like, it can get a little bit grating. (laughs) after. (laughs) Um, and I don't know, like, if it were without the context of it referencing that other song, if I would find it as, like, oh, this is kind of funny and, like, tongue-in-cheek, ha-ha. Um, I don't know, like, if it stands as a song, like, on its own. Um, 
But I did enjoy um, this one review that I saw that said that this song aims for I will survive, but lands as I will survive. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the pitchfork for you? Because it yeah. is. <laughs> I must throw out that heinous pitchfork review. I hated that review top to bottom. It was I, crazy, I, but I did think that was funny. <laughs> that re- that re- the review was crazy and truly noteworthy in its like in its attempted in taking down the album as a whole. Like the two sort of like noteworthy reviews were like Pitchfork and Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone gave this a four out of five, which is a high review for them. Pitchfork gave it a six point three out of ten, which is a lower review for them. Well, also for Pitchfork, that's not bad. Right. Like, that's an okay review for Pitchfork. True. But they, like, they attacked Miley on the basis of this album sounding like Reputation-era Taylor Swift, which was a really odd, like, likening for me. And I'll I'll get into that later. But um, I'll go next. I think that Flowers... I think that, again, I've already talked about it, and I have talked about how I, like, I'm not sure about referencing Bruno Mars, but I will say this, in terms of an album opener, I think it presents what we're going to hear sonically throughout the album pretty well. It does seem like the most mainstream in terms of its verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And I think that, like, yes, it is a simple song that, like, that can appeal to a a wide audience, and that's why it spent seven weeks on the number one. But what Miley gives to a very radio-ready track is her, like, is the sincerity and the charisma in her, like, vocal delivery. And I think that that's why the song has done well on the charts. But ultimately, I like this song. Yeah, this song, frankly, is driving me absolutely batshit. <laughs> it everywhere, all the time, multiple times a day. Even when uh, yesterday uh, in the car, I heard it like three times in the span of ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> I was like changing the channel. I also like even on Spotify, like can't get away from it. When I play like an album and I get to the end of the album, they're like, "Do you know what you want to hear?" Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Like, I can't fucking do it. I don't think it's a bad song. And I think actually in time I will grow to really like it. Like, I think it is going to have a lot of really kitsch camp appeal in a little bit. Especially, you know, those songs that get super overplayed and then, and it's for a good reason. And then, like, we get super sick of them. And then we come back around in like 10 years. This is definitely going to be one of those. But right now, if I hear it one more time, I might actually die. <laughs> it's giving party US, you in the USA in that because party in the USA for a while. In the USA though, I could hear as much as I'm hearing flowers and have like a little bit of a better time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right, let's move into Jaded. I'm oh, wait, can, can we rate them? Because I'm curious what you oh, think. Yes. I would give this song, if if I'm like just rating it on its merits, I would give it an 8 out of 10. But like where I am right now in my lifespan with it, like, like a 3 out of 10 just because I'm dead. I wrote 8 out of 10. I think it lives at an 8.5 out of 10 for me. I do think, and we said this when we discussed it the first time. I do think this is a really strong lead single um, and does, like, in the scope of the album, it gives us a good sense of, like, what we're going to be dealing with. It's a nice little thesis. It's a nice little intro to the sound we're going to hear. I think it's a strong choice for for a debut track. 
Yeah, yes. Um, so moving into Jaded, um, I'll talk about this one first because I really do. I love this track. Um, I think this is possibly the strongest vocal on the album. Um, I love, I love the chorus. Um, I also think that like what she kind of is giving us, like she's giving us divorce atop the list of themes in this track. And we've heard a lot of divorce albums. I think this is a strong divorce song. Um, I like that she's like still angry about it, uh, about this divorce, but it's set to more of a mid-tempo, lazier production. And there's quite a bit of tension there that I think really works for her. And it was really nice to see her perform this in the backyard sessions on Disney plus. I think this was one of the better performances, just her in a gorgeous, like tight fitting black Jersey knit dress in front of like a Miami, like coked out mansion singing jaded, I think just works well for her. I think it's fine. I do like, um, that she's sorry that you're jaded, but she's yeah. And I do think that is like a funny take because that's not like what you would expect from a divorce song necessarily. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's fine. It's not like my favorite. I think the vocal is good. I think the vocal is good, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> she will not give a build. She will only give you 100, 100% of the time on this. Like like a screlty rock metal vocal with country inflections. Like it, it is giving a little like Leonard Skinner. It is giving like... I know nothing but belting, which I don't hate, but it is objectively funny. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, the, this song is notable for the vocal on the chorus. I think it's a fine song, but I don't think like lyrically it's doing or, or melodically it's doing anything special. It's just elevated by Miley wailing um, and not giving us anything other than Fortissimo the whole time. So, <laughs> but it's that wailing up against like just like a lazy little like production, like just like a lazy little mid tempo track that I also think is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this one like vacillates like for for the vocal and because I think it's funny, like emotionally maybe it's like a nine out of ten, but like it's actually the song itself is maybe like a six. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I gave it a six out of ten. <laughs> Oh no, I'm full 9.5 out of 10 on this. Oh my god. That's <laughs> I almost joked. How? I think that I think that it's because I have such a close relationship with her, but it's 9.5 out of 10. Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. I'm sorry that I'm jaded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk um rose-colored lenses. Um a track that contains the album title in the lyrics, but is in fact not um not titled Endless Summer Vacation. What are our thoughts on this one? I was reading about how she has like separated this album into the AM portion and the PM portion of of, being on a vacation, which I think is fun. And this is like the first song where I'm like, okay, I'm on vacation, just like vibing with some rose colored lenses on hanging out. I like the, like, um, the, like she, she loves, and throughout this album loves a like repetitive, like fade out. Like she repeats 
we could stay like this forever, probably a hundred times at the end. Of the <laughs> and I think it's great because we could stay like this forever. <laughs> I think this is where that repetition works the best. It's like a woozy little, we could stay like this forever. And it feels like, you know, you're, you're buzzed and it's, it's sunny outside and like, and it's nice. Um, so in terms of the producers for this album, Mike Will made it is on it. Who's like a, a longtime collaborator for it with her most notably on bangers and dead pets. Um, but the other producers on this album are the same producing duo that did Harry's house. Um, the album that famously did, should not have beaten uh, Beyonce for best album of the year at the Grammys. Um, but I find it like, interesting that i don't know it, it's interesting that harry can lob us a lot of similar tracks and then and miley can do this but with a much better vocal and a much better artistic perspective and like we and people critics love harry for just being a man singing songs like this and and they're harder on miley but anyways that's just me being petty um i think she saved all of her best metaphors for this <laughs> um <laughs> track i think this sticky sweet um is it Sticky Sweet Lemonade? Yeah. The sheets are like Sticky Sweet Lemonade. I think that works. Naked in conversation. Like, she just, like, lobs us half a metaphor on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other. But I think it's cool and kind of lazy and fun. And it, and I, I think aesthetically, well, I'm not, I, I think sonically, this hangs together well from lyric to production. And it's chic. I don't hate this song, but I don't think it's the most memorable. Um, I think that I, I agree that this is the first song on the album that feels like the um, the title of the album, which is Endless Summer Vacation. It's a very weird title for this album, which is mostly sort of like about divorce and breakup and like, like the angst that comes with it. I think that this song, I'm so sorry, this is so petty, but like, I don't like that it's called rose-colored lenses. <laughs> yes. The phrase is usually rose-colored glasses in it, so she can half rhyme lenses with pretend and never end, which is like, I just don't, I don't love it. Like, well, it, you could have done something a little more adroit. Um, I think that, uh, like there's one other, Oh, the other thing, I'm so sorry, Justin, to give you a little rebuttal, but That's like okay. the, the whole line on that lemonade lyric is, Somehow the bed sheets are dirty, like sticky sweet lemonade. I'm so sorry. That is disgusting. Like if you just eat in the bed, like I'm so sorry. But um, and I also I think that we had touched on this when we were talking about um Chromatica. I don't know what it is, but I don't really like it when a central metaphor of a song is Alice in Wonderland or like when that comes a lot up a lot lyrically. I just feel like it's not really well utilized in this song. However, what I do like about this song is the production. I like the background vocals. I like there's sort of this cadence that they have to the background vocals on the we'll stay like this forever part that sounds very much so like uh, the B-52s or like Love Shack or like something that is really like like California, Florida, summer. Um, so I think that sonically this song is fun, but lyrically the song, yeah, I, there are so many things that just like grate on my ears when I listen to it I, I think that we meet in the middle and it's like a seven seven and a half out of ten for me i gave I'm it a gonna, seven 
I'm giving it a nine. I do want to say <laughs> that I, I think you're right. I do think it I should have, should have been called rose-colored glasses or something else or because the phrase is rose-colored glasses. But I feel like she also did it because, like, rose-colored glasses would have been a repeat title of a Katy Perry song. Thousand Miles is already a repeat title of a, like a two thousand. Yeah, she didn't have a problem with it for the next song. <laughs> thousand, thousand Miles, and then there's something else. Violet Chemistry is essentially Lavender Haze, but <laughs> a, a slightly different color. I think that, that she just couldn't. She was like, "Well, I guess I can't repeat like several titles." Um, and yes, Sticky Sweet lemonade sheets does i didn't connect piss to that but now i I do i do see that i think she was like the sheets are like full of cum and that's sort of like a miley thing well i think that was the intent but then don't use lemonade as your metaphor yeah (laughs) she's just being miley (laughs) she's just being miley (laughs) um Let's talk Thousand Miles, um, where ta- where Miley continues a trend that uh, Taylor Swift started, where you feature an artist without giving them a true feature. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> yeah, you cannot hear Brandy Carlisle on this song at all, but like, like it feels like a Brandy Carlisle joint a little bit. Um, I think that this song is fine. I'm having trouble right now even recalling what it sounds like, though. I have the lyrics pulled up. I'm like, what is the melody? So it's it's a little forgettable for me. I like this mode for Miley. Like, I... Like, I like that it's sort of folky and sort of country-y and, like, leaning into, like, Dolly-isms, but, like, I can't recall what it sounds like. Sorry. <laughs> I like that she just starts the song amazing. Um, I think that is funny. And then she gives a little pause. <laughs> um, I do think um, if you're going to title a song the same as a song that already exists, it's got to be like, it has to be memorable. Otherwise, everybody's going to think about the other song. Right. Um, and that is what this is suffering from. Um, but this song, I was also like, she also wrote it as like a tribute to her sister after like one of Miley's friends lost her sister to suicide and so that's like the background of like why she wrote the song um so yeah yeah there's a moment in the uh backyard sessions where she's like i'm gonna cry if i talk about this song um the original thesis where it was like it was inspired by one of miley's friends who committed suicide and she couldn't imagine like or um and she couldn't imagine like her sister doing the same thing and she was like, but then the song morphed its way into a place about like uh, into a place of like not having all the answers, but doing fine, like a more upbeat, like lyric or idea. And I, I do take issue with that because like, like Kayla, like you said, I do think there's quite a bit of Dollyisms here and Dolly like would have went there with this track and would have actually sung a song about suicide and imagining what it would be like to lose your sister. Like, yes, that's a gruff, like, or not gruff, but yes, that's like a heavy thing to deal with. But like, if that's where the song emotionally came from, then just go there and do that song because I think it would be way more impactful and interesting. I do like her vocal on this. I like, I always like hearing Miley do country cause it works well for her. Um, but I wish she would have gone there with the song. Um, yeah, it's like, it, it's like a six and a half out of 10 for me. I, I, it's so interesting hearing that. Cause I didn't get that at all from the lyrics and even looking yeah, at them right. again, it's like, I don't really see that, but like, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Six and a half. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I would give it a seven. 
<laughs> okay, let's talk about you. I just it just started playing on my okay, thing. Hold on, I have one more thing uh, that I have to say that was on my next page that I just need to share is one of my favorite lyrics from from Thousand Miles is I know half of what I'm saying don't make no sense and that's why I felt listening to that song. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, I love you. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's absolutely a masterpiece. This is no, again, it's like that sweet spot of like Southern rock country, like, like all of the songs that inform Miley's influences, like coming together on one track. And, and there is a little bit of a vocal build in this one. Like she kind of has it under control a little bit and then really scrolls at the end, um, which I, w- I wish the end like lasted forever. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this one's incredible. Incredible. I am I'm here for it. <laughs> I love that we get we get another like repetitive fade out with her just singing you over and over again. <laughs> um we're you know, we have a, a theme. Um and I also like her line, I am not made for no horsey and carriage. <laughs> Me too. I love that line. <laughs> it's such a smart, hilarious line. I was like, yes, give it to us, Miley. I I, I saw I, I don't know if it was in the pitchfork review or the red uh the Rolling Stone, but they called this one like one of Miley's torch songs. And I think that like that's smart. It sort of gives me like the same like idea or the same thesis for a song as like golden g-string but it's just so much better lyrically like uh, you know uh, and i uh, i like that also she talks about driving down to texas and flipping off her exes it, give, it gives all my exes live in texas but like a fun um update on it and i think lyrically this one has a story which is nice i think miley needs to give us more story because sometimes she just gives us like i smoked pot and i'm gonna give you vibe lyrics as opposed to like a full narrative and a narrative works from her. So this is, I think a really strong track. Um, I would give it a nine out of 10. I would also give it a nine. Nine. <laughs> Ooh, nines, nines, nines across the board. Um, okay. 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 Let's do <laughs> I'm it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Let's go. All right. Let's talk about handstand. I'll give a little bit of like, just like uh technical stuff. So this was written um the song itself was like the lyrics were written by Harmony Corinne who is the director of Spring Breakers the film. Um and it was produced by her drummer, her new drummer boyfriend. Anyways, thoughts. I am was ab- absolutely gobsmacked to learn that Harmony Corinne wrote these lyrics. It does make sense, but like what? Um <sighs> I I love this song. I love the the turn the album takes right around here. Like, I feel like you and Handstand back to back kind of like turn the album around a little bit. Um, and thank fucking God. It's, this song is fun because it's like, it's a different cadence from Miley. We just heard her scrout. She's nowhere near scrouting on this song. She's, you know, doing a little bit of like, it's almost like a patter song. Like there's a lot of fast lyrics. Um, and I, I, I like it. I think it's wild. Yeah. 
I love it. I'm so happy she did it. And I do like, I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about how this album feels like kind of a retrospective of her career. And even in the backyard session, she talked about how like, you know, she feels like she's experimented with a lot of things and all of that have influenced this album. And that makes that like, that makes sense for me as an album concept that you're pulling from all of your different references. And this one does sound like a lot of the dead pet stuff, but it's like, chicer and a little bit cleaner and i like the big twitchy reference um and i looked at the art that it's based off of and it looks like like a miley cyrus song so i think like it's i just i i think this is great i think you play it at a rave and you have a great time i think it's a great track it accomplishes exactly what it set out sets out to do yeah i think that this um this track is amazing um, I think that it does a great job of jolting us into the PM section of this vacation that we're on, because I really do feel like <laughs> it's about to be crazy. Um, and yeah, I was looking at the art, um, that it's based on and it's all these like photographs. Um, it's like photographs of like Florida. And then there are like, like weird alien creatures drawn on top of it. And, and Harmony Corinne describes it as a cosmic tropical playground which definitely is what this song is giving um i love her like spoken word section at the beginning <laughs> i think love it's it. funny <laughs> um and i just love the like the unhinged just like visual imagery that like um the the neon dinghy and then it's like you saw a unicorn and you don't understand i'm like what are you talking about but i love it <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and when she just says on comets, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> what a great consonant. Uh, I, uh, I also think that like where I want Miley to go in her like later career, cause she is a true musician. I think like, I really want her to be at a place of like Casey Musgraves of like really lovely, like cohesive experimental albums and i think this is like the closest that she gets to sort of casey musgraves territory and i kind of want her to keep going i can't believe that you said this song is giving casey absolutely are you kidding it feels casey to me are you kidding (laughs) no but i i i hear what you're saying but i i think um I think, yeah, aesthetically, it doesn't sound like Casey, but it does give the the kind of experimentation that Casey's been doing with her sound while making it fit into a larger whole. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for explaining what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, I'll give a handstand a 10. Whoa. <laughs> Four 10. Why not? <laughs> Tens across the board. Okay, moving into River, uh, second single uh, released uh, with a chic little video of Miley in a black dress dancing around a bunch of half-naked men. What do we think of River? Oh my gosh, I haven't even seen... Let me look up a still from this video. Um, keep, keep going on it. She's dancing around like a bunch of just like men and, and and they're like, it's sort of... It's definitely a bit gay, which is really fun. Um, and it's just like... A lot of down angles. Oh, my gosh. Interesting. Keep going. She, like, um, wrote this. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up. Oh, like, she. I guess she talked about how when she wrote this, um, 
She said, there was a time in my life where I was going through just a lot emotionally and personally. And then I had a dance party with my friend. The rule was that every girl had to bring their gay best friend or no entrance. (laughs) We were listening to Diana Ross, Whitney Houston, Paris, Brittany, all the legends. And I love that she (laughs) included Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Correct. If if a party doesn't have stars or blind, is it a party? It's certainly not, which that that does give context to Miley bringing out uh, Paris um, at her New Year's special. That's funny because I... I didn't really understand that that's what the song was about. Like it's it's like lyrically it seemed to me. And when I'm looking at it on the page now, it seems like, like a romance, like it's meant to be a romance rather than like, it's like a dance party. The, the vibe of the song is more like, um, not like quite a power ballad, but like more like a power power ballad than like a dance track. Um, right. I thought it was about being wet. I, mean, I think it is. Yeah. I, I think like I think the issue is that like lyrically that's what it's about, but like sonically it's a dance floor. Sonic. Well, and I'm okay with like a dance floor, like, but also I'm wet type of a song. This song is fine. I think it's, I think it's a fine song to be on the radio. Radio is probably a good choice to be on the radio. I like the melody. The lyrics are lackluster. But I think overall this song doesn't... Um, it doesn't give the way the past few tracks have gave. Yeah, I think, you, I think that's the biggest critique you can give, Miley. Lyrically, it's never specific. It's like, there, it's never specific and it's never quite like enough in terms of like, the, the, there's, a, there's questionable slant rhymes and the metaphors sometimes don't hit. And like, that's what I hate is that if she had great writers, she could really sing in the industry. And I, or uh, sing in terms of like, she, I think she'd be having, <laughs> literally. Um, no, but I, I, aside from all that, I do actually really enjoy this track because of the music and the production itself. It's a really fun one to like blast in your car and, um, and just scream river and so I enjoy it for that. It's not groundbreaking or doing anything new for the industry, but I would still give it like an eight out of 10. Yeah, I'd give it an eight out of 10. I think that like, I think there are two, there are like the metaphors about the river and then there, then it's an April shower. I either need more metaphors about being wet or I need just one sample <laughs> one. <laughs> like I can't right now it's too can like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, exactly. And she's not, it's because she's not being specific enough. So then it gets confusing. Agree, agree, hard agree. But yeah, it's an eight. Yeah. Eight. Um uh, let's talk about violet chemistry. I'm pro-violet chemistry. I hear how it can sound like a riff on Lavender Haze, but I think that that sonically, this song is really like a high point of of the album for me and is like kind of the sound I think of when I think of this album. It's like a combo of this handstand and you like like really get at the the so- sound that this album's trying to make. Um I like the the first verse like the 
both the melody and the lyrics and like the weird things she's doing with her voice. I like the octaves on the chorus. Um, I just think all around this one is very successful and it's a little bit more successful lyrically than some of these other tracks for me. Yeah, talking opening verse, I think it is smart to go from river to um, when the floor is wet. I think that's a nice little cohesive through line. Um, I also think, like, like, yeah, she's doing something different with her voice in these um, in the in these verses. And so, um, right after the album was dropped, like a day or two, Selena Gomez did a TikTok with Violet Chemistry in the background. So we can assume that it's. Selena's favorite song from the album and I think she what she's what Miley's doing vocally is really similar to what um Selena does in that one of her latest singles it's um it's not the love song but it was the second one we found love one summer that one I think she's doing like a similar vocal take and I like that they're like doing kind of fun similar things together but I think that like in terms of sonically, it's the it's the best produced track on the album. It leans really heavily into that sort of '80s aesthetic, and it works really well. It's maximalist. It's fun. I think it's I think it's one of the best tracks on the album. Yeah, I agree. I think the like the production on this song is really good. I I like the little bridge where she's um, doing the mixing all the colors, like we're making that Monet. I think that's so fun. And <laughs> um, I think it's a fun, I think this one is like a fun dancey song too. And it's like, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I, I was hoping somebody would say something about the Monet thing. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's just dumb enough. Um, I also forgot to shout out the lyric, uh, on river which was was a desert before you before i met you i was in a drought which i think just speaks to miley's sort of like i'm just gonna (laughs) really lean into these basic metaphors (laughs) (laughs) but anyways the metaphor is a little bit more elevated in violet chemistry and i like the i like the may not be it well this is also in the bridge but may not be eternal but nocturnal (laughs) that's a fun little it works you just have to like she has galaxy brain and sometimes that hits although i will say she does another one here we are again fading out with the repetition of a lyric on this song and i don't think it works as well on this one when she's like stay with me a while Um, i agree I agree. Um, Sia is also a co-writer on this track. Um, and that brings us to the next track featuring Sia. What did we rate? Oh, sorry. Ten. Nine. Nine and a half. <laughs> um, and Sia is featured on this next track, Money Feet. <laughs> but is she? Because she is only she? gets a whoa section. She gets the woes. <laughs> That's what you want Sia singing. Yeah. <laughs> this This one's okay like again it feels like it's very much on theme lyrically like with a big part of the lyrics being like get the fuck out of my head with that shit get the fuck out of my bed with that shit get the fuck out of my house get the fuck out of my life with that shit like we we get it i think it's like the melody is good but there the the song as a whole doesn't quite hit for me i think part of it is because it's not um, as elevated as some of the other 
not elevated lyrics on this album. <laughs> uh, I do like the line, you smell like perfume that I didn't purchase, but that line and variations on it have been done to like a lot, you know, like that's a just like an Random okay to say. And lest we forget, uh, Britney Spears famously perfume. Yeah. Great track. Um, this is fine. I, I think I just, I don't love it. I don't love it. No, I agree with you. I think, like, yes, we've been talking about the lyrics, and uh, and and I think these are are pre- are definitely pretty lowbrow. But I think the difference between, like, honestly, starting here and moving forward, but but um, but, but difference between Muddy Feet and the rest of the album is that, like, there somehow the producers have like boxed Miley into a little bit more restraint than she typically exercises on some of the previous albums in her catalog. But at Muddy Feet, the restraint is not exercised, and it's it's just a two minute track where she's like, you know, screaming about the divorce, and I would have cut it because I don't, I, it doesn't do anything for this album. It doesn't do anything. It comes at a wild place in this album because the last three songs have been like. For, like from a handstand to now, have been like, we're kind of having fun and we're at a dance party. And then all of a sudden she's yelling about the divorce, allegedly. And it allegedly. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> and I think like I think this still like suffers from not being specific enough. Like I, I think like you see in a lot of like country songs a lot like a lot of the similar themes as like we see in this but there's they're so specific that you like i i don't believe that she's actually angry in this song even though she's like yelling about it you know like i don't i don't it doesn't yeah it just feels like i'm gonna yell and i'm angry but i'm not like actually tapping into anything like real you know I fully agree with that. It do- it doesn't feel lived in or like earned. I also just don't think that Sia is a great song like collaborator. Like like I just think that a different collaborator might have done this song more justice. But I do think, um, y- yeah, there's a way that this could have been a little more nuanced um, or more like dropped in in the delivery or something. Yeah, it sounds like a first pass. Yeah, yeah. It's we we could we could have used more work on it. Um, from one divorce song to a next, we have Wild Card. Um, oh, what did you all think of Muddy numerically? I would give it a six. Five. 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 I'll give it a five. <laughs> <laughs> Which I hate doing. Um, Okay, I'll start with Wild Card. Again, we're getting like a, a divorcee-ish track. Um, and like and this one, like I think vocally in terms of placement and like how the chorus is uh, approached, it also sounds a lot like jaded. Um, but I don't think it's as good as jaded personally. Um, I, and I think that we've explored, we've covered this theme in her catalog quite a bit where she felt like she's too much personality wise and artistically for Liam. Um, and I just like, it doesn't compete with the other up tempos or mid tempos in the album. So I just, I don't like this one either. So yeah. 
I like this one. <laughs> I like where it sits in her voice. I like the way, again, it does sort of, like, hit again on this theme of, like, I'm too, like, literally can't be tamed, you know? Like, this has always been, a like, a clarion call in her career of, like, like I... I'm too much for everybody. Like I, th- that's why X, Y, and Z. But I, I think that this is somewhat successful. I think it's catchy-ish. Yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm feeling positive about it. I feel like for a song entitled "Wild Card," I'm not <laughs> chaos. Because in this song, what she is saying, what she says, she's a wild card. And this is what she says she's doing in this song, meeting his mom in a dress too tight, walking in the door with lip stained red. That's not, that's not a wild card. That's just like, (laughs) right. You know, um, I do think, I think that it's fine. I don't hate it, but I, I like. I, I, again, I'm once again asking for something specific, Miley. Well, and that's the thing, because I think that, like, the the image in the first verse and the second verse are, like, completely disparate. I, like, the walking in the doors with my lips stained, rad pillows on the floor and the flowers dead, that's an image that seems more interesting and more like a stale marriage coming to a close that I would have loved to hear about. But that doesn't match the chorus at all. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I still like it, and I would give it a nine. I love that. We need outliers. I would give it a six. Um, I give it a five. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Island. Uh, All right. Yes, let's talk Island. Um, I wrote This is Malibu, but if you're alone... um, (laughs) It's not my favorite, but it is not a bad song. What? <laughs> I love this song. Because I feel like it actually encapsulates the album in a lot of ways. Like sonically, again, we're at this sort of like beachy country southern sound, which I think is really central. And then I think like the main like predicament of the song, like, am I um am I stranded on an island or am I what's the what's the other half of the lyric? Am I stranded um, on an island or am I something in paradise? Have I landed in paradise. Landed in yeah. paradise. Like like it does feel like what this album is trying to explore is like once you get out of a bad relationship or bad situation, like there's a lot of like like um conflicting uh experiences that are all happening at the same time and i feel like this song sort of gets at that while sounding beachy um while being a song that's actually something i relate to a lot which is like am i having a great time or am i fucking miserable <laughs> <laughs> It's a ten out of ten for me. <laughs> wow. Okay, Aaron. I I also really like this song. I think that, like Kayla said, it really like it. It really encapsulates what the album is, seems to be going for. Um, because of the sound of it, I feel like it takes you back to like the beginning with um, flowers, and um, I feel like. I, you know, I feel like it's a, an, a good, like, it, it, yeah. I mean, it just makes sense, like based on what she's going through in her life too. Like, am I, you know, 
alone after this divorce or was this actually like a good thing that happened to me? Um, and I also have a question, which is we've been seeing a lot of island metaphors, like from multiple pop stars recently. And I would love to hear if like if you guys have any thoughts on why. Like I feel like because we saw it with um Caroline Polachek and also like sort of with Lord with solar power. There's just a lot of this like beach, I'm on an island. And is this like escapism from <laughs> like everything that's going on? Is it like everybody feeling like alone? I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I that's really interesting that you bring that up I I do feel like it is born of pandemic and like I feel like this um this question am I stranded on an island or have I landed in paradise is like a really um is is how I felt a lot of the pandemic where it's like great I don't have to see anybody I don't have to do anything but oh my god I don't I don't I can't see anybody I can't do anything and I think like an islands are really apt like like place to like investigate being isolated, but also potentially, um, like being lonely. Um, I also think, um, there's something too about this song, um, that is like islands in the stream adjacent, which I also think is fun. Um, Justin, what is your take on islands in the zeitgeist? I agree with you. I think it, I think it's, pandemic born but I I, I I think it also has something to do with like I feel like bef- pre-pandemic all, all of our artists were in like a little a petri dish and they interacted with each other a lot more and like and those interactions made headlines quite a bit and pa- post-pandemic like I think that musically everyone's exploring like really specific their own takes on pop and Miley is that as well and Caroline is that and like Lord is that like there I don't think I don't know I think that like I can't finish that thought <laughs> maybe they're all just really rich and spending a lot of time on islands well that, that's yeah that's the <laughs> that was my other cynical thought was like are they just like I went to an island over the pandemic and now I'm gonna sing about it <laughs> but I was like I don't think so I think it's more like nuanced than that but maybe that is part of it no they definitely did go to an island by themselves and they were like I'm rich and I'm going to sing about it and then they're like is this bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) okay let's talk about um oh wait numerical ratings I I you guys are winning me over a little bit and I always want to like a Miley track so I'll give it a seven (laughs) love yeah Um, I I gave it a nine Amazing. I also, before we move on, I do want to say I absolutely love the bridge. The mama told me, told me, girl, smoke them if you got them. Live my life, get home with all my problems. I think it's so good. I think it's one of the best lines on the album. I fucking love it. Also, we have another, we have another repetitive fade out lyric here. Yes, we do. Yes, that must be, it's a Southern rock trope. Like she's just doing like a, a, a rock trope. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's a little bit of lazy writing. It's like, like well, this many of your songs and like this, although I do have to say another album that has a similar number of fade out tracks that I think is a positive example is melodrama. Uh, a lot of those tracks end in a repetitive fade out, but I think it works there and it doesn't here. Well, and the mm-hmm. one on this song is a full minute of repetitive fade out, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> I think the Black Eyed Peas did it a lot, too. 
You're right. <laughs> if you ask Sabrina Carpenter, icons. Um, <laughs> all right, let's chat about Wonder Woman. And I have some questions for. I, I'd like to start with the question: Is she um, sampling? Sarah McLaughlin's Arms of an Angel. Oh my God. I don't know. Play it. It literally sounds exactly the same. Play it for your, like, mute it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That opening song. She's a wonder woman. Yeah, sure. Yes. I'm Uh, like, that's Sarah. (laughs) It is Sarah. Um, I like that this song is sort of singer songwriter y. I think that there's parts of it that are nice. It's not the most. Um, memorable. And again, there's so many, it's a real mistake, I think, on her producer's parts that there are so many tracks on this album that other artists have the same title and a better version of. Yeah. Um, like, this is a not my favorite song called Wonder Woman, but it's fine. I agree. You can't, I, I wouldn't, I would not trod the uh, Wonder Woman territory after. Casey already did it. It's also not my favorite. Um, and then I like, and then I, she also has this like uh, a lyric about how like the central woman in the song is dancing in the dark. I'm like, is that a subtle reference to Gaga's dance in the dark? I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't like this track. So this track is about her mother after she lost, after her mom's, mother died um and so that's what it's about so sing um, about that though right what? write that write that song yeah, though exactly I, like that's not that's not what this not you know it's not, yeah and and i i don't think that it like it, it's a wild placement on this album that's supposed to be endless summer vacation to bring right. this out as your penultimate song after islands, which I feel like is the one that, that like that should, she should have ended the album after that's that. That's the fade out. Song, yeah. Like this song, it just doesn't make sense to be on this album. And it's also not that good. Yeah. That's the, this this one I consistently hear from people is the song where they're like, what, why did, what's, why this song? Um, I feel like if she had front loaded this track where some of her other more mid tempo yeah. songs were earlier in the album, it would not only make sense, but it would make me like the song more. Cause I think if it came in that spate of songs that are like, okay, like rose colored lenses, like this song might make more sense or like, you know, right around where a thousand miles is, which I think thousand miles, this is actually a more successful version of a thousand miles idea. I don't know. That's insane. I disagree with that in completely. I completely disagree with that. But oh well. <laughs> well, she it says lived lived a thousand lives in this, so they are in conversation. Uh, miles versus love. Talking about a female family member in a vaguely singer songwritery style. Yeah. Death about death. All right. All right. All right. You're right. I don't but, know if I'm right, but anyway, uh, but thousand yeah. miles is better. <laughs> this is like an, this is like an eight. Um, I I think six, honestly. Oh my god! Wait, you rated this an eight? I rated this a four. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> See, I, for, I forgot to grade on. I forgot to grade on a curve. <laughs> so, well, here's the thing about the song, though: is it for me? 
it does the song itself works fine it accomplishes what it wants to do it's just the placement for me i guess that's why i'm an eight like i think there's a strong vocal i think it's an unspecific but like fine lyric this is one of the few songs that i actually hearing you give the backstory of the song like it actually aligns with what the song is saying and it's an eight for me that's fair i think i was just so annoyed at the placement i just couldn't process the song. It is the wildest choice <laughs> she could have made. <laughs> okay. Well then uh, let's um let's talk about our favorite tracks. Let's do first. I can go first. I think for me it's gotta be uh it's gotta be island, handstand, and violet chemistry. Nice. Um, I'm surprised you didn't say you. I, I really like you, but then I realized I, I rated a handstand a 10. And I, like, I think my like, chemistry is just more complicated. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, handstand is in my top for sure. I would, I would put handstand, I would do violet chemistry, and then I would do, <laughs> um, rose-colored lenses but also you uh, as a special shout out. I would do handstand, uh, violet chemistry, and island. Nice. Okay, um, we now it's time to rate the album. We typically rate on a boxed wine system um, with... Franzia being the lowest, black box being a middle, and Boda box being a high. Uh, but we also will rate on any kind of consumable liquid or sometimes substance as well. Um, what uh, is your rating, Erin? Okay, so I feel <laughs> like what what what's happening in this album is a lot of things. Like, I feel like she has, she has, as, as we have, as I think Kayla said, she makes a lot of choices. Um, and some of them work and some of them don't. And I think like the producers and her are trying to combine like all of her different influences. So you get like this, like fun, we're on a summer vacation, but like also sort of like country and also sort of pop. And so what I feel like this album is, is, like when you go to like Tennessee or Kentucky or any of those like Southern states, they love to make a cocktail. That's like a normal cocktail, but then they just put like bourbon or like Tennessee whiskey in it. And it is always wild because it doesn't necessarily make sense. <laughs> They're trying to combine too many things, but it is like fun on a vacation. You're like, I'm in Tennessee. I'm going to have like a Moscow mule, but made with Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> And you're like, do I like this? And you're like, yeah, this is a bop. And then you're like, no, I'm never getting that again. Um, <laughs> and that's what I feel like this album is. Wow. Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> I have a similar rating. Uh, you, you partially, you actually like partially inspired me, but I was going to arrive at almost the same conclusion. Um, but I... 
I think it's a, like, yes, yeah, similar to where when you go into the South and you find like an odd cocktail. I think it's an electric lemonade. I've seen that a lot in like on a, on like a menu and electric is giving like the handstand river part of the album, but then lemonade is giving the Southern country rock part of the album, but make it with whiskey. <laughs> and then you've got the album as a whole. Kayla. For me, it's um, when the pod took our yearly company retreat to Florida, <laughs> there was a food stand that we frequented on the beach that would sell alcoholic drinks. And so for me, this is um, ha- like you have two drinks in plastic cups. They're both half drunk and they're both sitting out in the sun for a while. So they're kind of melty. Um, <laughs> and, uh, one of them is a pina colada and one of them's a margarita. And you're kind of like drinking out of both of them as maybe, or maybe not shrooms are hitting you. And I think, um, for me, like this album is inconsistent. Like it's almost like having two different drinks that you're drinking out of at the same time. Like it wants to, to be really like like it's actually quite a cynical album but it like has this mask of sweetness on it like like all of this music is some of the weirdly the most radio friendly music Miley's put out since she left Disney um it's kind of like treacly but also a little watered down like it's been sitting in the sun and that's sort of what I get but it is like if if you close your eyes and the shrooms are hitting right it's the best time (laughs) (laughs) I think that's uh, like I think that that is indicative of a Miley album. It's usually like if you if you had drugs and whatever drugs she was on while she was writing it, it it makes more sense. I do think too, though, that this even though I dis like a lot of it, this is one of her strongest albums that I think she's put out in her adulthood. Um, like I do, I think it's hands down better than dead pets hands down. Sorry. I think it's, it is better than plastic hearts. I think it's better. I think it might be better than bangers actually. Cause bangers is really inconsistent kind of like this album, but like, I don't know, this one sounds a little more cohesive. I, I think that this is one of the stronger things that she's released that like fits together kind of, um, even though it does have its flaws, I think it is net positive. No, I agree. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it above bangers just for the, I, bangers is a nostalgia place for me at this point, but, uh, a nostalgia number one, but I do think it's the best thing that she's put out besides bangers. And I do think it, it weirdly hangs together really well, but I think that she had to go to the place of plastic hearts and experiment with that rock to get to this point in her career. And I, but I like it a lot. Okay, I think we have a game. I think we have a guest host for the game as well. Um, Hello, it's me, Jeremy. How's it going? How's it going? I'm moving. Hi. 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 Okay, so semi-breaking news um, before we get to the game, uh, giving uh, the artists on the pod a chance to respond. Um, Kim Kardashian has... um, posted her a video of her working out to the song you need to calm down um and there was like a link to the kardashian closet immediately following it um anybody care to comment on that i think that is so funny and so contrived i just can't imagine 
that being her favorite Taylor Swift track at all. But I understand a signaling to Taylor Swift's fans that she likes her again, just because, you know, she probably is trying to grow her fan base. Um, but this is baffling. This is wild. Well, really wild. I, I, it also reminds me of a current event that we did not discuss, which is the Haley Selena d- Jenner debacle of 2023, which <laughs> oh had my me gosh. in a chokehold for a whole <laughs> week. Um, that's all I have to say. I know I should, I should seek treatment because I, <laughs> um, truly hate Haley Bieber after this. Uh, I think it's so very clear that Haley and Kylie are mean girls. Oh and I think that Selena Gomez is our one true queen. Um, and I just love, I just, um, I've come all the way around w- back to 12 years old and I love Miley Cyrus and I love Selena Gomez. And that's my only personality trait in this moment. I also am team Selena, but also Selena has done so much fucked up shit. She just has a really, really good team. Incredible publicist. Incredible publicist. But on, on this issue, I'm certainly team Selena. Wait, did you last, last little thing. Did you try the TikTok filter of Selena Gomez face? I did. How did it look on you? (laughs) I, I have no words. It was, it was deranged. It was like just like taking uh, some uh, like a, a, a that thing that you pump to like pump up the tires in your bike. It was like plugging that into your face and then just pumping it up as high as possible. But I liked it. Anyways, so the game. Everybody ready for the game? Okay. So the game is called Celebrities and Their Dead Pets. Who may or may not be dead. We aren't sure. We did not look into it. So the way the game works is I'm going to give you the pet and the pet name, and then I'm going to give you three celebrities um, that could that would potentially own that or those pets. Um, I will. We will continue down the line, and there will be a chance to steal. Um, there are three options per, so everyone will get to answer if everybody misses it. And if you steal, you get a full point because I'm bad at math. Um, this is because I because I'm not doing because Aaron is playing the game and not keeping score. So, my gosh, (laughs) the way it's gonna work, um, Kayla, you're gonna go first. Are you ready? And Justin, keep your eyes off my phone. No cheating. Um, I hope I'm. I hope I'm ready. It is both easier and harder than you think it's gonna be. Okay, let's just try it, and then I'll tell you if I'm too confused. Number one. A stub-nosed, long-haired cat named Mr. Fluffy Pants. Who owns this? Katy Perry, Kesha, Ashley Tisdale. Damn. They all obviously own this cat. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you said a name, I was like, oh, that it's that person. (laughs) Mr. Fluffy Pants. I'm going to go with Mr. Fluffy Pants. I'm going to go with Kesha. That's correct. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Erin, you're next. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
A chow chow named Genghis Kong. <laughs> Martha Stewart, okay. Rosie O'Donnell, Joy Behar. I think Joy Behar. Ooh, no. Justin, your turn to steal. Um, can I ask what like Genghis Kong is in reference to? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I can't. No, why not? Okay, so, if you have to ask, you don't know. Okay, so the two left are Rosie and who? Martha. Yes, Rosie. That's incorrect. Not Martha Stewart. The correct answer is Martha Stewart owns a chow chow named Genghis Kong. Wow. Okay. Still would love to know what Genghis Kong is in reference to. Whatever. (laughs) Number three. (laughs) Justin's turn. (laughs) A blowfish named Pablo. Oh, God. They must like... Selena Gomez... Miley Cyrus, Nicole Kidman. Miley Cyrus. That's correct. All right. Number four. <laughs> Kayla, are you yeah. ready? So ready. <laughs> A chocolate labradoodle named Sirius Black. Oh, no. A turf, whoever it is. Ariana Grande, Mary Kay Olsen. Ashley Olsen. <laughs> no. Creative directors of The Row? My God. I'm tripping. I'm like, is it Ari? Um, Are you tripping, fallen with no safety net? <laughs> I think it's Mary Kate. Not correct, Erin. Okay. I just don't feel like it's Ariana Grande, so I'm going to go with Ashley. That's also incorrect. It's Ariana Grande. Oh, no. It was very, it was, uh, it was it makes It makes more sense that she's in the age bracket to have named her dog that, but I thought I knew all her dog's names. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy how life does that to you. <gasps> oh, but they're maybe dead. They're dead. Yeah. They're old pets. It's, you know, it's. And Maybe. dead pets. People can have a lot of pets. Um, and pets only get one person unless they're unloved and they're traded around. Number five. Um, it's Aaron's turn, right? Slay. A French bulldog named Gustav. <laughs> okay. Greta Thunberg, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga. Katy Perry. Not correct. Justin? It's Lady Gaga. That is correct. Is this a kidnapped dog? Yeah, one of the kidnapped I mean, dogs. I couldn't remember, and I was like, I feel like that's too obvious. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Justin, you're next, right? Yeah. Yeah. We are killing this game, you guys. Okay. I just have to say I missed my only opportunity to say the word dog napped. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly opportunity opens doors. Uh, Number six. A mixed breed, small sized dog named Kenobi and a brown labradoodle named Esmeralda. 
Is Kenobi a Star Wars reference? (laughs) (laughs) Olivia Munn, Anne Hathaway, Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, so of all of them, Olivia Munn is the most vocal gamer. So I'm going to go with Olivia Munn. That's not correct. (laughs) Kayla. It's Jennifer Lawrence or... Anne Hathaway. And the dog's names are... The pet's names are Kenobi and... Esmeralda. Anne Hathaway. Yes, that's correct. Annie. Annie. Mm. All right, are you ready? Yes. Okay, number seven. A pug named Sid Vicious. Is this owned by Pink, Jessica Alba, or Natasha Bedingfield? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> Pink. No, Erin. Okay, that was going to be my guess. So, wait, my options are Jessica Alba or Natasha Benningfield? Yes. Jessica Alba. Yes, that's correct. Wow. And it's your turn now. Wow, things are really looking up for me. <laughs> German Shepherd Chow Chow named Chunk. Okay. Is this owned by Chelsea Handler, Ellen DeGeneres, or Dakota Johnson? German Shepherd Chow Chow named Chunk. I know the Chow Chows. Um, (laughs) Okay, who would name their dog Chunk? (laughs) Wait, read me my options again. Chelsea Handler, Ellen DeGeneres, Dakota Johnson. (laughs) Dakota Johnson. No. Justin? The answer is Chelsea Handler. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) From a Chelsea Handler, I've seen all of her comedy (laughs) specials. Now I know. (laughs) Okay. Number nine. A ragdoll cat named Benjamin Button. Uh Is that a Star Wars reference? Is this owned by (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow, Taylor Swift, or Alexa Demi? Okay, so I don't think that Gwyneth Paltrow would name an an animal after a movie that she was probably up for but didn't get. Um, I honestly don't know who Alexa Demi is. From Euphoria. Oh. Or Taylor. I feel like Kayla knows the answer to this. Kayla would be able to steal immediately if you get it wrong. Taylor Swift. That's correct. Ooh. All right, Kayla, ready? Number 10. A Yorkshire Terrier named Mr. Famous. (laughs) Are you, uh, is this person owned by, is this dog (laughs) owned by, this is very difficult, uh, Marilyn Monroe, Lucille Ball, or Audrey Hepburn? A Yorkshire Terrier, a little Yorkie named Mr. Famous. Marilyn. No. Erin? Audrey? Yes. Correct. Mr. Famous. Cute. Famous. (laughs) Okay, Erin, are you ready? I'm so ready. A brown little terrier uh, named Sheriff. Okay. Someone who loves (laughs) Christina Ricci, Christine Baranski, Jane Krakowski. Oh my gosh. Who loves cops? Who loves cops? 
Um, wait, read me my options again. Christina Ricci, Christine Baranski, Jane Krakowski. I think it's Jane Krakowski. No. Okay, of the two left, I know that Christine Baranski is a staunch liberal, so I'm going to go Christina Ricci. That's correct. There you go. And it's your turn. All right. All right. Number 12. A mutt named Lord Chesterfield. <laughs> is this owned by 50 Cent, Ellen DeGeneres, Jennifer Aniston? Who would do, like, Lord, Lord Chesterfield. Chesterfield? Like, who thinks that's funny? It's a, a, it's a highly unfunny name, so it leads me to Ellen DeGeneres. So I... I will guess Ellen DeGeneres. No. Kayla? A mutt named Lord Chesterfield. Is it 50 Cent or Jennifer Aniston? Lord Chesterfield. 50 Cent. No, that's not. It's Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer. That was the funniest answer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you. All right. Um, so Justin... Missed that one, right? Yeah. So now it's Kayla's turn. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Last round for everybody. Get it together. Okay. Number 13. Two pygmy goats named Pygmy and Bam Bam. Is this owned by Bjork, Dua <laughs> or Uma Thurman? <laughs> Two pygmy goats. <laughs> Okay. Bam, bam. I want to talk about my logic, but I don't want to give anyone clues for when I inevitably get it wrong. Uh. Wait, who's my middle option again? It's Bjork, Dua Lipa, and Uma Thurman. This is so hard. Pygmy and Bam Bam. I'll just... I think it's wrong, but I'm going to say Bjork. That's incorrect. Erin? I really want it to be Dua Lipa because that would be really funny. But I'm going to guess Uma Thurman. It's Dua Lipa. It's Dua Lipa? Oh, I'm Dua so Lipa funny. Owns the That's so funny. Cute. Okay. Erin, wow. number yes. 14. Okay. Two Labrador Retrievers named Bentley and Bougie. Oh, God. Okay. Cardi B, Meg the Stallion, SZA. See, I feel like I've, in one of these games, I've read who owns these before, like, in my research. And now I'm just trying to, like, cast yeah. my mind back. <laughs> to which Did we play this game last time? Maybe. No, I don't think so, but I think we've played a game related to animals, or we were going to, and now I just have all these animal facts in my head. Um, okay. Animals in the couch. Horses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Both the horses, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's Bentley and Bougie, and the options are Cardi B, SZA, Meg the Stallion. Stallion. Cardi B. That's correct. 
Right. <laughs> okay, number 15, last question. A miniature Labradoodle first named Celia and then named Cereal. Okay. <laughs> who, who, who did it that? <laughs> Meryl Streep. <laughs> Selena Gomez. Says Sia. Meryl Streep? No. Uh, who, who was it? Well, it's oh. Kayla's turn to steal. Kayla, if you get this correct, you tie Aaron. Wait, so it's SZA? No, Sia. No. Sia or Selena Gomez. And it was a uh, Labradoodle first named Celia, and then they changed the name to Cereal. Selena Gomez. That's not correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So in the lead, we have Justin with five points. We have Aaron with three points and we have Kayla with two points, 15 questions and you can steal. You guys did pretty great. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that game. I had a great time. I learned new things um, about celebrities. All right. Um, Aaron, thanks for being a wonderful special guest on this pod. Kayla, thanks for being a great ho- co-host. Thank you for hosting this one. Of course, of course. And shout out to Cameron Toy also for making this incredible game. Thank you. Oh, I get, I'm getting a visual. Hello. <laughs> um, all right. Well, this was the second installment of a series we're calling White Girl Spring. Um, see you soon for another album by a white girl. Maybe I don't know. We, this might be the this might be the end. I don't know. Um, we have to cover more of them. We we we're talking about covering at least two more. So right, this is part two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys soon. Um, am I missing anything? Like, rate, comment, subscribe. Um, we'll read your review if you give us a review. Love ya. Ba da ba da ba da da da.